episode 151, Employers Say, Show Me the Money I'm Spending on Healthcare. Today, I speak with Mike Dendy, who is the Vice Chairman and CEO of Advanced Medical Pricing Solutions. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know. Talking. Relentlessly seeking value. Employers in the U.S. spend billions of dollars paying for healthcare for their employees. To put this in perspective, Starbucks spends more on healthcare than they do on coffee beans. But many employers aren't exactly sure how much they're spending on healthcare. How is that possible when self-insured employers have a co-fiduciary responsibility? Today, I speak with Mike Dendy, who is the vice chairman and CEO of Advanced Medical Pricing Solutions. Mike talks about the challenges employers face and what they can do to get a handle on healthcare and healthcare spending for their employees. My name is Stacey Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Aventria Health Group. Welcome to Relentless Health Value, Mike. Thank you, Stacey. It's a pleasure to be here. Would you describe us at an inflection point at this time? I mean, maybe it's been a a long time coming, but are employers just now starting to motivate to figure out how to get themselves in a better place? Stacey, I think that inflection point, we've been easing into the inflection point for about the last 10 years. And you can tell when an inflection point of this type is coming for employers when the decision-making capacity on a service like this goes from a middle management function to a senior management function. So again, 25 years ago, HR teams or people made almost all these decisions. Today, and again, let's go back 10 years. Uh, 10 years ago, CFOs in particular started getting interested. And then over the last 10 years, they've gotten more interested. What I'm seeing now is that most employers are making this a CFO function. That in and of itself is a paradigm shift because the motivations of an HR manager and the motivations of of a CFO are radically different. And it's so easy to tell as soon as I can walk into an employer group, if the HR person is sitting there and they're doing the talking, I know that their intent is to change as little as possible and to have as few knocks on their doors as they can possibly have. If you're talking to the CFO and and that person's leading the conversation, what they want to know is what kind of value can they get on their dollar spent. You mentioned that it's a CFO's motivation to maximize the value for every healthcare dollar spent. Is that today amongst employers, is that taking the form of trying to minimize increases year over year, or are CFOs actively engaged at this juncture in reducing cost or actually removing cost out of the system? Well, it's all over the board. The more sophisticated CFOs are taking the time and investigating why our costs as high as they are. The healthcare cost equation is a really simple equation. It's the number of services times the cost of those services plus the cost of administration equals the overall cost of healthcare. So to control cost or to reduce cost, you either have to reduce the number of medical events or reduce the cost of those events. 
what the healthcare cartel has done is it's done an incredible job of creating opacity so that no one ever knows what they're paying for services until long after they've already been applied. We had a situation here just recently where one of our clients was looking at an alternative with one of the big four healthcare companies, and they told that company, we are not going to buy from you unless you tell us what your PPO discounts net out against a benchmark. And they asked that that benchmark be Medicare. So what they were asking, don't tell me you're getting me a 50, 60% discount. Tell me what that discount yields relative to a benchmark like Medicare. And the healthcare plan said, we refuse to do that. We will not do that. That's proprietary information. So how can an employer make an intelligent decision when they have no idea what they're paying for services and their co-fiduciary vendor says, I'm not willing to tell you what the cost of these services are. So it's ridiculous. It's bombastic. We would never put up with it in any other part of American business, yet we let the healthcare industry get away with it day in and day out. And again, it's one of the reasons costs are so high. That employer example that you just gave where the payer refused to establish the cost basis of their discount, what did the employer do? Did the employer say, oh, okay, I guess no one else will either, so I'm stuck? Or, or did they take an alternative approach? They took an alternative. Now, I think that's rare. Again, the big four payers, Blue Cross, United, Aetna, and Cigna, they are so domineering in the marketplace that I think a lot of employers just go, well, that's healthcare for you. And they just, they just move along. All right, there's just nothing I can do about this. I'm going to go back and I'm going to focus on my widgets. Like anything else, you generally don't make a change until the pain gets big enough. You know, so much and you outgrow your clothes. Well, I've either got to lose weight or I've got to go buy new clothes. So both, both are painful, right? So you've got to decide which one you're going to do. The cost of health care on a per employee basis has gotten so high now that employers are looking, what else can I do? Is, is there any other change I can make? Is there something that's reasonable? Everybody wasted time for 10, 12 years on wellness programs. And for all intents and purposes, they're mostly a waste. Conceptually, they make some sense, but they really have never shown to have any real true value. The only thing you can really do to drive down the cost of health care is to find a way to buy services less expensively. This is kind of amazing. I went to a, a major state and I'm, I'm meeting with the officials of this state and they're saying, hey, what are we doing wrong? And I gave them four or five things they were doing wrong. I said, but let me tell you the main thing is the team you're buying from, the healthcare plan you're buying from pays three times as much for the same service as some of my clients pay who aren't even a fraction of your size. So this specific employer has about 600,000 employees, and I've got clients with 100 and 200 and 300 employees who are buying services, the exact same healthcare services from the exact same pro providers at 30 cents on the dollar. But they are so entrenched and so engulfed in the way they've purchased and the way they've utilized healthcare in the past that they weren't even interested in looking at something that could have saved them you know, over a billion dollars. And again, it's mind boggling. It really is. Given all that we just talked about, one of the things that you have suggested in the past as a potential strategy for employers are what you call defined contribution healthcare plans. Could you explain a little bit what are you talking about there and how does it help ensure that an employer is getting value for what they're paying? 
That's a great question, and, and I'd love to talk about that. So right now, whenever someone wants to have a service, so I'm in Atlanta right now, and there's dozens and dozens of hospitals in Atlanta. On one side of the street, they may be delivering babies for $5,000 a baby, and on the exact opposite side of the street, they're doing it for $15,000. Again, nobody posts the cost. Nobody will tell you, even if you ask. So someone just picks one hospital over the other because they like the color of the building. Their sister went there. Their mom went there. They were born there. Whatever reason they come up with. And they may get the $5,000 hospital and they may get the $15,000 hospital. And technically, with most healthcare plans, it doesn't matter. They are not penalized for choosing one over the other. In a defined contribution healthcare plan, an employer makes a decision about here's what we're willing to contribute as a corporation towards your medical event. So let's go back and say that you're going to have that baby. And we're talking about, say, a vaginal delivery. We always assume and hope that we know complications. And the employer says, we will pay up to $5,000 for you to have this baby. If you go to a hospital where it's $5,000, we'll pay the whole thing. You know, you've done your part by helping find that hospital and agreeing to use that facility. If you happen to go to that hospital where it's 15000 hey, A-OK, it's free world. You just pay the other 10. And what defined contribution healthcare does is it forces consumers to be consumers, to go out and ask, to go out and negotiate. So let's say you call the hospital that's the $15,000 hospital, which is where you'd really rather go and say, look, I can't come there to have my baby because the... I've only got a $5,000 budget. What can we work out? Very likely the hospital will say, look, you know, we can't get down to the five, but we'll do it for seven. Great, sold. I'll pay the extra two because I really want to come to that facility. Now, all of a sudden, we've created a market and people are negotiating for what they want. If the hospital wants to stick at the 15000 and just have the people who are willing to up pay that additional 10, then fine. They've made their market decision as well. It's very similar, and, and I believe employers will eventually get more comfortable with defined contribution programs. One, because they're logical. Two, my assumption is, and your listener's assumption has to be, that whoever is setting those defined contribution levels have done enough research to know that there are a, a high percentage of providers that will uh, accept that amount of money for that specific service or close to it. So if that's the case, then all you're really asking someone to do is to spend our commingled money as an employer and an employee as well as you would spend your own money. And we do that in everything else we do. I mean, we'll shop for days to get the best deal on a flat screen TV, yet we never go out and check the pricing and the value on healthcare services. We just go where we want to go, anytime we want to go. How do you determine what items are going to be on the defined contribution? Because I'm assuming two things. I'm assuming that you can't do that for acute needs. You know, if I have a heart attack, there's I, I, I might have very little control over where I'm headed. And then also, on the other hand, you've got unique things and you're going to run into a situation if you try to put everything on the list. So how do you figure out what's on the list? Well, let's look at what CalPERS did. CalPERS, California, a pension group, what CalPERS did years ago was they said, look, you know, healthcare costs are run rampant. We're dead broke. We've got to do something. So they took items like knee replacements, hip replacements, gallbladder surgery, the kind of normal run of the mill healthcare that you have over and over and over again. And they set a defined contribution limit on what they would pay. And they broadcast it broadly 
throughout California and said, this is what we're going to pay. So if you take one of our members and they come to your facility, we'll pay, let's say, $15,000 for a knee replacement. And that's all we're going to pay. We had three major hospital systems in California said, ah, we're not taking that. You know, that's that's way below what we charge. And, you know, we don't care who you are. They can't come here or they're not welcome here unless they pay more. Thinking that as these three very major healthcare systems that CalPERS would change their mind. CalPERS didn't change their mind. CalPERS couldn't change their mind. They were broke. So it went on for about six months without these three hospitals participating. And then the hospitals changed their mind. They said, we are losing too much volume by not having this. Okay, we give. We will take what everybody else is taking. Healthcare will work the exact same way in every state. And it'll work that way for anything that's a a chosen event. You're absolutely right. It doesn't necessarily work for an acute event, a, an emergency event, but for everything else, it is a market just like anything else. Now, with like with any other market, you may have to transition to a different place. You may have to leave Main Street and go to Market Street. You may have to go from Chicago to Peoria. But if it's available and you can get to it in a reasonable way, what you want to create is a marketplace where people are competing to have your healthcare business. Going back to the $15,000 example or whatever it was, I'm sure that was just an example price. But what occurred to me when you were saying that is that you had the three major hospitals in the area saying, no, 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 that's too low. But obviously, CalPERS had done the research, as you suggested, and very consciously picked that price. Had they picked that price if it was below the current price of the three major hospitals in the area? Well, the three major hospitals were in the state. So two were in Los Angeles and one was in the Northern California area. So what CalPERS did is they went back and they looked and saw what hospitals typically set for pricing. The way hospitals bill, it is totally irrelevant what they bill for services because that's just become an absolute game. But what they accept for services is quite pertinent. And CalPERS, like my company, have a way of seeing what hospitals are accepting for services. First of all, we know what Medicaid's going to pay. We know what Medicare is going to pay. And it's published data, and it changes pretty much by zip code. We also know what it costs a hospital to provide a service because they, by law, have to publish their cost-to-charge ratios if they accept Medicare and Medicaid. So we know what it costs a hospital to provide the service. We know what they're accepting for a service. We even know what percentage of the time they're accepting those rates. So by having that data, then we can back into what hospitals will typically accept for services. And although you have some hospitals that are gladly accepting Medicare, Medicaid rates and publishing and uh, aggressively advertising on billboards and newspapers to get people to come in to spend that money, then they turn around, they'll charge an independent employer six times that amount or seven times that amount. And the, and the employer unwittingly pays it because, again, they, they can't, there's no transparency where they know what they're paying. So in a defined contribution healthcare plan, you set a limit and then you require, obviously with help, you require that member to go choose the best value relative to what they're willing to pay for an additional service. If they want to go to that hospital where it's three times more expensive to have the baby, God bless them, they just pay the delta as opposed to paying the budget. So let me ask you a question, something that I would be fearful of if I were an employer embarking on this. There are pretty established 
case studies out there, a lot of it involving bundled prices, because in, in some ways, the defined contribution seems kind of bundle-like. And what has transpired in the past, at least relative to bundled payments, is if you're not really careful what's included in the bundle, then you get hit with all of these upcharges. And it's stuff like the pain med or it's things that obviously were you couldn't do the surgery without them. So it was a little bit disingenuous to say that it wasn't part of the procedure, but that's how the hospital was making up the difference. If I'm an employer, like how do I write or draft what the contents of the defined contribution are? And it almost sounds like I need to contract with with the hospitals individually. If someone is going in for gallbladder surgery and a contracted rate of $5,000, then that means soup to nuts. And uh, or it doesn't. If it doesn't mean soup to nuts, it means from alpha to whatever point, And then after that, there are additional costs. But all that can be calculated. There's nothing new in healthcare being charged for. Nothing. So as long as you have professionals assisting you, you can make that work. I'll give you an analogy. I used to be, and a lot of people did too, I used to be the most idiotic car buyer on the planet because I've never cared about cars. I mean, I've never, I've hardly ever looked at an engine of a car because I don't know what I'm looking at anyway. And I just didn't care. So every time I bought a car, I always assumed I was getting cheated and I would have buyer's remorse when I got home. It's like, well, I know they took advantage of me because I don't know anything about cars. Well, then Edmunds.com came along and then all these other auto trader came along where with just a little bit of research that was at my fingertips, I knew exactly what kind of car I wanted. I knew how many different dealerships were offering that in a reasonable area around where I lived or play. And I could go in as an intelligent buyer and have a much better experience because I came away thinking this was a fair transaction. That kind of information is now available on the healthcare side. Now, it's not quite to the level of Edmunds.com and cars, but that kind of information is available. And what an employer has to do is they have to engage a company like that to assist their members until they can do it on their own. And we will all learn to do it on our own eventually. But right now, we need that help. I had somebody in my office the other day and he said, Mike, let me talk to you about how millennials will buy health care differently than someone your age. I'm 59. And he started walking through all the technical aspects of being able to do the research that I just posed the issue about with, uh, uh, using, say, an Edmunds.com. And I said, you know, I never thought about that. That's exactly right. They're not afraid of technology. They expect technology to be their friend and they use it aggressively. That will make a huge paradigm shift when that group gets up and they're buying the majority of healthcare and they're the, the, the heads of households and they're making decisions for children because their expectation is that there will be no opacity because there's never been any opacity in their entire lives. The older we are, the more we've had to have lived with that opacity issue. You are the CEO of Advanced Medical Pricing Solutions, and I'm assuming that one of the things that you do is assist employers trying to figure out what they should put on their defined contribution list of services and, and how much those things should cost. I can go down every possible uh, medical event if you want, but generically, what we suggest to employers is that there is a point where it's fair and reasonable, both for the payer and the provider of services alike. Right now, the scales of justice are grossly tipped to the providers of services. 
there is a cartel. There is a healthcare cartel, just like the oil cartel. There is a healthcare cartel that's driving all of that. It has nothing to do with reason. It has nothing to do with equitability. It is has here. Let's just get as much as we can and keep the other guys in the dark. Our whole premise as a company is how do you balance those scales of justice? Not how do you cheat the other side, even though maybe they've been cheating you for all these years. But what is a fair reimbursement relative to a service rendered? If there are 10 doctors or 10 hospitals in a market and one doctor wants to be the outlier and be paid three times more, if that doctor can prove their value and that they're worth three times more, then God bless them. And they should win business that way. But certainly on some sort of a simple medical event, if, if nine of the doctors are all at significantly less than that one doctor and they provide the same outcome, then that's where the market is going to go. But right now, we don't have that data available to us, or generically, we, you have to search for it, so that we can make those reasonable decisions. And again, because we're spending someone else's money, we just think to ourselves, what do I care? And by the way, the guy that's the most expensive, or the doctor's that's the most expensive, or the hospital that's the most expensive, is probably the best. So if somebody else is paying for it, doggone it, I want the best. What's interesting about healthcare is it's almost exactly the opposite of that. Typically, the best outcomes come from the lower cost providers because they figured out how to do it more efficiently. They figured out how to do it more effectively. So it's really, really hard to tell someone who doesn't understand healthcare that that's typically the case. Their automatic assumption is more expensive equals better. How do you help employers here? So now I'm putting myself in the shoes of an employer and I'm thinking, you know, a CFO. And I'm thinking, all right, well, this sounds like a good idea. I'm getting eaten alive by the, these healthcare costs. Who are the players that I would need to include in my suite of consultants who would help me set up that plan or figure it out? Like, wh- what do I need from an expertise standpoint? You know, I think where most lawyers are now, the most important thing is that they do, that they get an analysis done on where they are now. And again, I don't think many employers out there really have any idea what they are paying for healthcare services. I was at a Fortune 100 company not too long ago, and I asked their head of HR, very, very senior person, very, very well compensated, what does your company pay for healthcare services? I said, let's talk about hospital services and let and give me give me a number relative to a benchmark like Medicare that you and I both understand. And she said, I have no idea. Now, this happens to be a retail company, and it's one of the best-run businesses on the planet. They know what everything that they sell in their stores cost right down to the half penny. But here, the head of this monstrous organization, spending almost a trillion dollars a year on healthcare, had no idea what they were are currently paying for services. So... If I'm an employer, if I'm encouraging an employer what to do first, the first thing I'm going to say is get a grip on where you are now. Then make the determination, do you and your associates and the people who are consulting for you, do you believe what you've got now is fair and reasonable relative to the marketplace and relative to what you can buy services for? If not, then make a change. But it's really hard to convince someone to make a change when they don't know what they're changing away from. And that is the case 99 times out of 100 right now. These huge companies, just like the one I just described, Fortune 100, 
have absolutely no idea what they're paying for services. And by the way, this person asked me, do you know what we're paying for services? And I said, within 1%, I know exactly what you're paying. It's because that's my job. And, and I, I, spend my, I spent the last 25 years wor- working to develop that answer. Uh, and so the answers are out there. I'm not the only one. The answers are out there. And you just have to write, ask the right questions. And you have to demand answers. So I, I gave you the example earlier in the interview of the company that we just dealt with who asked a major healthcare plan, tell me what I'm paying for services. And the healthcare plan said, no, I'm not going to tell you what you're paying. You know, you're getting a discount. You know, just go away and shut up. I mean, that's how silly it is. Go away. Just accept it. Uh, the old animal house. Uh, Thank you, sir. Could I have another? Right. You bend over, you know, because we're just going to charge you what we want. And you have no right whatsoever, even though you're a fiduciary with a plan, with the responsibility of managing the assets of those of your plan, commingled assets, by the way, you have no right whatsoever to know what you're paying. Just go away and shut up. Thank goodness this client didn't. But nine times out of 10, the HR team and the clients just say, well, okay, well, I asked. And they said no. And they just go away. Eventually, they'll stop saying, we don't care and just going away. And they'll start demanding those answers. Once you have those answers, Stacy, and you know where you're starting from, then you can make the right decisions moving forward. There are experts out in the industry, such as yourself, who can help a company determine how much they are paying while at the same time understanding what is reasonable within the market. So a guy like yourself would would come in and help get those two numbers and figure out the greater than, less, lesser than, or equal to sign in between. Stacy, that's exactly where we start. Our first consulting for an, uh, for an employer is to say, let's look at where you are now and let's decide together if you're happy with that or not. You don't know until you know. So once you find out, hey, you know, we're paying three times what Medicare would pay on average for our hospital services, and we have 600,000 employees, which is kind of that state organization I was telling you about a minute ago. That's where they are. They had no idea. And they were put off when I told them, this is what you're paying. So Medicare is paying X, and you're paying 3X. Uh, you have enormous buying power and you're not taking advantage of any of it. If you're okay with that, then there's nothing really else for me to do because you now know where you are. But if you're not satisfied with that, if you do think you're overpaying, and by the way, they're overpaying by you know uh, double, then there's something that can be done about it. And then you decide the next step to take. That's where most people are now. They're, they're trying to figure out when do I step out? When do I break the paradigm? And when do I move to something that's more reasonable, both for me as an employer and for my employees as well? Because, I mean, it's their dollars are involved, too. And then say I decide that I'm not satisfied with the order of magnitude that I'm perhaps paying, then my next step would be to go to a benefit consultant who might have a template for a defined benefit and contribution plan that I could take advantage of and they can maybe help me refine it for my market. But this is not like we're at the bleeding edge of the vanguard. Like This has been done by enough people that there are certainly models and case studies and schema that I can take advantage of. There certainly are. And there is a cartel. The way you break a cartel is by providing additional resources outside of the cartel. And there are plenty of opportunities to do that. The oil ministers in Saudi Arabia, in Iraq and Iran just had us. I mean, they owned the U.S. They controlled our energy costs. 
They were getting $150 a barrel for oil, and they were saying, we're going to take it higher. It cost them about $10 to get it out of the ground. Hey, we're going to sell it for $150 until we don't feel like it. Then we'll sell it to you for $175. And, well, then all of a sudden, we started producing our own oil. And we said, we don't need your oil anymore. And 24 months ago, the United States was paying $28 for that exact same barrel of oil. Now, you would, thought, you would have thought that these guys who were selling it at 150 saying, we can't sell it for less than that, would have just said, hey, we're going to shut down our wells. We're not selling you that oil at $28. We, we sell oil at $100 or $150. No way. They were pumping it as fast as they could pump it. They were fighting each other over selling us more barrels of oil. So a cartel can be broken, but it has, you have to be intelligent and you have to say, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And I'm, ge I'm getting robbed. My employees are getting robbed. I know I can buy these services from somebody that's fair and reasonable and legitimate, and I'm not going to buy until I can get to that point. And there are dozens and dozens and dozens of different ways to go about starting to affect those changes. But you have to make up your mind, look outside of the cartel and buy from someone that will actually help me with transparency and understand the dollar value of what I'm trying to accumulate when I'm buying healthcare services. Mike, if someone is interested in learning more about Advanced Medical Pricing Solutions, AMPS, what's your website? Where can they go for additional info? Yeah, it's really simple. It's www.advancedpricing.com. There's a lot of information there. There are links to see additional information, sometimes on our site and sometimes off our site. Uh, we have plenty of people who do consulting, and there's no cost to that right up front if we can be involved with a solution, then that's when we get paid. But there's a lot of options out there. And, and our hope is, is that employers will start asking more questions. And then once they get true answers, that they'll start looking for options. And we happen to have several options, but there are other good companies out there that have options too. And again, if I'm making, if I'm providing any advice to an employer, it's get a good understanding of what you have now and what you're buying now and what you're paying for services. And the data is readily available. And people are hiding it from you that technically can't hide it from you. The law protects you. And go out there and find out what you're paying now and then make a decision about where you want to go next. I thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Mike. It is my pleasure, Stacey. Thank you very much. Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. If you visit the website, RelentlessHealthValue.com, you will also find a complete listing of all of the shows that we have published thus far with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week the episode is automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it. Thanks so much for listening.